Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, guys? The Week 8 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Bet Online. You know, baseball season is finally over. The NHL, NBA, all in the books, but we still got plenty of football out there. You got college football. It seems like every conference is starting every week and uh, or a new conference is starting every week and the pros are getting ready to kick off uh week number eight uh and uh there's so much to get in on with the action and the bet online wants you to get in on the action with them so they're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything possible this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. And you know we might have a tough matchup coming up for us on Sunday uh, with the New Orleans Saints. It's a you know one that I'm, I'm I'm actually to tell you the truth, you heard me say it at the end of the review episode uh, yesterday. Um, Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints is our guest this week, and uh, I had some feelings about this matchup after watching the Bears get carved up by the Saints, or excuse me, by the Rams offense on Monday Night Football, thinking that, you know, well, you know, creative genius uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and they're just going to make it, we're going to make it even worse, you know, it's, uh, you know, we haven't beaten Sean Payton since 2008, that's a long time, Um it's a long drought between victories uh, against their particular football team. And, uh, you know, if our offense can't get anything going, then we're just going to keep giving the ball back to Sean Payton and giving him more opportunities to conjure something up that's going to bury us under points that we can't, you know, uh, that we can't get past. So, but after talking to Ross, uh, I felt a bit better about some places that the Bears could actually make this a football game. Uh, against the Saints and <laughs> conversely I think I did that favor for Ross uh, as well he had some uh, some issues some concerns coming into this game uh, against the Bears and I, I think we, we both came away feeling better uh, about our, our team's chances uh, on Sundays um, truthfully as much as I like Ross and as much as I love having him on the show talking football with him <laughs> That was not my objective. Uh, my objective was for me to feel better about it. Uh, but instead, I also made my good friend Ross feel better about it uh, as well. So uh, what do you say we go ahead and dive into this conversation? Had a lot of fun. Love having him on the show. Got to inv- He's one of those guys I'm going to have to invent reasons in the future to have him back. Uh, it's Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints helping me preview week eight between our beloved Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. So let's get to it. After Monday night's debacle against the Rams, the Bears are looking to bounce back when they return home 
on Sunday. Unfortunately, though, we have the New Orleans Saints coming into town. This is not necessarily what you would call a get-back game opportunity. Uh, and here to help me uh, talk myself off the ledge here, because uh, I just see nothing but impending disaster ahead. Our good friend from Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson. Ross, welcome back, man. Hey, man. Absolute pleasure. Had such a blast chatting with you ahead of the, the last game that these two played in Chicago. And yeah. I'm certain that, you know, I'm hoping for a similar result. You're hoping for a different result. But, uh, you know, uh, let's just say that maybe I, I share a little bit of your lack of confidence here in this in, in, in the Saints team as well. <laughs> well, and I think it's it's a obviously they're very different concerns because uh, our concern is basically with a lack of uh, of identity uh, on offense. And, and and honestly, and I don't watch all the Saints games, but the couples that I've seen, I think it, for for you guys, a it's injuries, and b it's uh, an execution mm-hmm. issue because yep. Sean Payton is still Sean Payton. You still have Drew Brees. Everybody wants to say that he's on the brink of retirement. He's getting old, and then he'll sling one on a dime that no one else could uh, could do. So you know, maybe he's not able to put as much mustard on the sandwich as he could in the past but he still makes a pretty great goddamn sandwich. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, I'm not really concerned about Drew Brees or or anything like that. I just think it's a matter of, you know, sometimes you guys aren't executing the way that you're used to. Mm -hmm. Not so much the scheme issue that if you watch last night's Monday night game uh, in Los Angeles, oh, boy, do we have issues on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, so, no, I, I completely hear you. I think that when it comes to the Saints, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's been on the offensive side. It's been execution issues. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, look, you had the offseason lingering effects for the first couple of games to where spacing wasn't necessarily right, right for wide receivers. You saw a lot of congestion on, on routes down the field, not really the types of clean breaks that you would uh, you would expect to see usually from the Saints offense. Then they had to adjust to new players running routes from new spots because Michael Thomas has been out for the past five games. Then they were without Emmanuel Sanders in the last game. And so there's been a lot of adjustment that has has caused those execution issues. But as the season rolls along, they are getting a little bit more pinpoint over on the offensive side, which you like to see. Um, and certainly we'll, we'll dig more into that. But you know my concern for the Saints is always going to be the defense. And I feel like I've been shouting that since 2014 or every Saints uh, every Saints media person or every Saints fan certainly has. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, because I mean, I've I've been watching the Saints closely and, you know, obviously the week one, the big win over Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone loved that because, of course, everyone had anointed Tampa Bay, the Super 50, the Super Bowl 55 champions before right. anybody had taken a snap because, well, Brady's here and he's got Mike Evans and Goodwin. Oh, and he brought Gronkowski. Oh, and they got Leonard Fournette at the last second and they went and did this and LaShawn McCoy is there. They've got the greatest offense ever assembled. They went out and got, a, you know, Christian Wirfs and the, or, or Tristan Wirfs and the in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. the Brady's going to be Brady and Arians is a genius. So it's a done deal. And then they got smoked by the Saints week one. And it's like, did that surprise anyone that they would go on the road to New Orleans and would lose a week one game? But it was just like everyone was just blow. Well, maybe they're not going to be that great. There's like everyone mm-hmm. just calm down. It's right. week yeah. one. No preseason, barely a training camp, no OTAs, no, uh, you know, mini camps or Anything like that stands to reason week one's going to give you some hinky results, and that's what we got. And then weeks two and three, back-to-back losses to Las Vegas and Green Bay, and everyone's like, oh, well, it's the beginning of the end for Drew Brees, and you guys have won three straight since then. <laughs> 
So it's just like, you know, everyone needs to relax. And, and that's, that's so, it's so knee-jerk these days. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to pounce on it or everyone wants to be the first one to say, well, I said Drew Brees was done week two in 2020. And look, here where we are right now, he's worse than ever kind of thing. You know, the Saints right. need to be making plans to get Jameis Winston in there. Or, you know, maybe they should tank for Trevor or something like that. Oh, to that get, one uh, drove me nuts. Yeah, to get uh, – <laughs> To get uh, Peyton his next Drew Brees out there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's a lot. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The knee-jerk reaction a ton. And and, and I think that the, the, the thing that happens with Twitter and, and things like that is that everybody, every, sort of everybody becomes a journalist in their yeah. own right. And so everybody wants to be first, you know what I mean? And and people would rather be first than right. And so, you know what I mean? And it causes a ton of trouble for people. And, you know, for for those of us that are are, are doing the work, we're kind of sitting back and we're going, okay, well, let's let the first four games of the NFL season play out before we crown or – or, you know, dismantle any team because they haven't had a preseason. They've had no time. And not only did they not have a preseason, I think this is something that people don't don't necessarily understand, but usually for a four-game preseason, you have four weeks of practice ahead of each of those games. Those games sometimes happen on Thursday, so there is that to consider. But you have four games of practice before that. Before that, you've got training camp. Before that, you've got, you know, some time off, but then you've had OTAs and rookie minis and, and, and mandatory minis and, and all these other things that take place. And then you just truncated all of that into three weeks. So I think that a lot of us that are a little bit more familiar and and understand and have a little bit more of an understanding will look at the early performances by some teams and say, okay, let's withhold judgment. Let's wait and see what happens as they move forward. I think that one of the biggest moments for this Bears season was the Bears win against Tampa Bay. Because before that, they had the wins against, what was it, Detroit, New York, and Atlanta. Yeah. If I remember right, to open up the season. Mm-hmm. And then they get that big win against Tampa Bay. And it was like, okay, now we can stop treating this at that time four and one team like a one and four team. We can start talking about them for, for who they are. Yeah. And certainly now with the loss to uh, Los Angeles after last night or after Monday night, um, you know, five and two, still a very good team and still a team that for the New Orleans Saints, they have to try to keep pace with. So this ends up being a game that could potentially have some implications not necessarily i'm not you know trying to project all the way to the end of the season but right now has implications because right now in the middle of the season you're starting to sort of set a tone for yourself with an identity that you have created and you have discovered for yourself and i think maybe that's where you're seeing some um a, a bit lacking with the chicago bears yeah 
For sure, you know, and, and you know the, the 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 pundits and the talking heads and everything have been waiting for the Bears to fall off the cliff the way they did mm-hmm. on Monday night uh, against the Rams because you know they kept saying it was going to happen and they've been wrong pretty much every time up to this point. They were all I told you so after the Colts came to town uh, and and you know gave the Bears their first loss. Mm-hmm. Then we had that quick turnaround. Tom Brady's coming to town. Well, this is an automatic. Loss, And then even after the Bears came from behind and won that game, it was like, well, the referees killed the Buccaneers. Oh, right. It was That's one right. penalty I, after another, you know, blah, blah, blah. Brady had a senior moment there at the end of the game. He thought it was third down and when it was actually fourth down and, uh, you know, all that. Kind of, just nothing but excuses about why Tampa Bay lost and not so much why uh, the Bears won. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like then they didn't really give the Bears credit for beating Carolina on the road. Right. Uh, last week, you know, there was something with this and Teddy Bridgewater that and this guy was missing and Christian McCaffrey wasn't there. So they didn't have their whole offense, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, OK, it's like they just don't want to give it to the Bears and they keep waiting mm-hmm. for a reason to take it away. And then Monday night basically gave them all the ammunition they'll ever need, especially right. since one of the guys that we got rid of to, quote unquote, improve our team was a star for the Rams last night in Leonard Floyd. Right. So it was just, you know, one of those things like the Jason Lock and Foras of the world who hate the Bears. I have oh, no idea why. Lock and Fora has it in for the Bears. His record picking Bear games for the year is two and five because he's picked against us every single week. <laughs> every single week he's picked against us and he's two and five. So our record is the opposite of his, obviously. And it's just, you know, it's been frustrating to see that. Um, and I love Twitter and I hate it. At the same time, it for really the exact does. same it's reasons. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> for the exact same reasons that you said. Everybody wants to be first. Nobody cares about being right. If they happen to be right, then great. But I'd rather be the one that got it up here first, so everyone can retweet me. Right. And it's 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 a it's a it's an awesome place to hang out, but it's a terrible place to be at the same time. It, it, it's <laughs> it, it's it's maddening. You know, when you're trying to you know, learn stuff and trying to communicate with people, get your your voice out there, and then you've got all these people shouting from the rooftops. Nonsense, but somehow right. they get heard better than the people who actually have something to say. Yeah, it's it's an interesting little place for sure. And especially when you're dealing with teams that are, you know, as that have fan bases that are as connected and as passionate as both of these teams. I mean, yeah. the Bears and the Saints have ridiculously passionate fan bases. And so, you know, you want to give those fan bases something of value at all times. You want to teach them something, you want them to get something that, you know, to where they're learning something about the team, whether it's good or bad, right? Like just some realistic expectation of what this team is. And it's hard to do that when you have, you know, some of those people that are even in the highest places that would rather, you know, talk about, you know, picking against the Bears every single week or throw all these stories out about Michael Thomas getting traded and all this other stuff. Like, you know, it, it's really hard to sort of uh, hold a conducive and educational environment about the team that you and the the fan base is extremely passionate about while those guys are getting, you know, a ton of play and everything because they have the the controversial outlook yeah yeah it's it sucks man (laughs) (laughs) but it's why we do what we do right it's why we do what we do absolutely i mean you but you know it's like honestly you know not to toot you know my own horn or everything but at times like you're out here you feel like you're doing god's work and then you have this idiot over here that's getting all of the attention it was like but 
I'm the one actually living in, in grounded reality over here as to what could possibly happen <laughs> versus this guy living in 2022 because he's already GM'd everything down from the changes that need to be made, the coach that needs to be brought in, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's listening to him as opposed to, you know, little old me who's like, well, maybe if we did this, this, or this with the offense or this, this, or this with the coaching staff or the play calling and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, ah, screw that. According to this guy, we got Justin Fields in the first round of the draft, and you know, we, you know blah, blah, blah. it's just like fine, fine, just <laughs> do what you're gonna do, man. It's and it's you, you can only holler for so loud before you just like, I, all right, fine. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the things that's that's very interesting too when you look at you know teams that need to make adjustments and everything. And I think you can say that for both these teams, right? Chicago on the offensive side, New Orleans on the defensive side that a lot of it and I don't know maybe maybe I'm making an assumption I'm projecting over to, to Chicago so correct me if I'm wrong but I know that for the Saints a lot of it on the, over on the defensive side has just been a lack of simplification for the approach and so it, it you know for them it's about execution it's about fundamentals it's about landmarks it's about it, it's about things that you would expect them to know but clearly there is a you know this sort of over overarching issue that has been taking place for the last few seasons, not just this season for the Saints defense to where something has been paramount to the fundamentals. They're having to think about too many things, particularly over in the secondary side. And so you wonder how much of the adjustment has to do, not necessarily with let's fire the entire staff and then, and then bank on the idea of picking up this person in the draft and signing this person in free agency. And Hey, let's trade for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it really just comes down to can the coaches, can the people in the building either simplify or whatever the correct adjustment is. Uh, and I'll, you know, speaking for the Saints, it's certainly simplifying over on the defensive side. And then that's the adjustment that needs to be made. And then all of a sudden the players start to play up to their potential after that. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing on on the offensive side. I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like whether it's simplification or maybe if it's just something as simple as Nagy giving up the play calling and somebody from a fresh perspective is mm -hmm. running running the offense like maybe bill laser's got a different idea about personnel groupings to get these guys in the best position to succeed because as much as i love our players we don't have the most talented group on the offensive side i think we've proven that in the first seven weeks where we've struggled to produce and put points on the board, and our defense is keeping us in every game and sometimes mm -hmm. helping us win it uh, and such. So these guys, these are guys where we have to scheme our way into an advantage to we're putting our guys in the best position to succeed. I was watching a clip after the game on, on Monday night, um, the Chicago, um, NBC Sports Chicago, Olin Krutz, a bunch of, uh, you know, Lance Briggs, oh, yeah. those guys doing a, a, a recap uh, of the game, and it's just like – you know, the offensive line was put in so many opportunities to fail uh, on Monday night. Like we've got uh, Rashad Coward one on one with Aaron Donald on third and seven. And then we send, uh, you know, Nick Foles in a seven step drop. That is suicide. Right. And it failed every single time. Coward needs help. You know, the, the center needs to come over and give him a bump, something. But instead, that's exactly what the Rams wanted. We gave him those one-on-one -on -one matchups, and he murdered us every single time. It's a wonder Aaron Donald didn't break the NFL record for sacks in a single game uh, on <laughs> Monday night. You know, it's like Foles yeah. just happened to get rid of the ball in time. I mean, he got beat the hell up. Uh, on Monday, whether it was Donald or Brockers or Leonard Floyd or anybody else in that defensive side that was just able to 
uh, win their one-on-one matchups. It's like apparently we need to do what the Rams did against the Bears, which was every time Robert Quinn or Khalil Mack or Akeem Hicks came, somebody, they they helped him, whether it was just the running Mm -hmm. back bumping Akeem Hicks as he came through the middle of the line of scrimmage or, you know, bumping or chipping uh, Mack or Quinn on, on the outside. It slowed him down a step and gave Goff the time he needed to find a wide open uh, right. receiver. It's like things like that keep happening over and over again, and Nagy as a play caller isn't taking that into consideration. He's got blinders on. Is like, this is my offense. This is the way it's run. It just needs to be executed when you're actually not putting your players in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and you know, me hearing that from the Saints' perspective, I get – I get excited about that idea that maybe they won't make that adjustment going into next week because you look at guys like Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport rushing off the edge and you have a penetrating defensive tackle like Sheldon Rankins. All three of these guys are trying to get into rhythm. Cam Jordan's had a down year so far. He had a really nice game against Los Angeles Chargers before the bye week. He had a, a, a good game this past week in the win against the against the Panthers. Marcus Davenport is just two games back from his injury after missing the beginning of the season. Sheldon Rankins is coming back from his his injury and so he's trying to get back into rhythm as well we've seen some flashes of it but not the consistency just yet and so I hear the idea of a scheme along the offensive line that creates a lot of one-on-ones that doesn't you know utilize a lot of chipping and, and things like that off the edge and that makes me excited for what the Saints could potentially start to get into rhythm because I do feel like the pass rush even though the pass rush hasn't racked up a ton you know as many sacks as it did last year I still think that the pass rush relative to the rest of the defense is still just a strong part of the Saints defense right now and certainly want to see them sort of get back into get back into a bit of a rhythm and one of the issues that they've had so far is that they can't win double teams right now they, they haven't been able to do that double teams have really slowed down Cam Jordan we've seen Marcus Davenport play through them uh, quite a bit but again he's only a couple of games back from his injury and so he's really right now winning on stunts and winning on one-on-ones and so they've done a good job scheming him into those positions to where you know the big game essentially game ceiling sack that he had against the the uh, Carolina Panthers came on a stunt to where he went from the the edge to attacking the A-gap. And when he attacked the A-gap, the only person there to block him was little running back Mike Davis. And Marcus Davenport just went right through him to Teddy Bridgewater. And that was the only sack that the Saints had in the game. But that's one of the things that I've always complimented the Saints' uh, defensive line on is that they can win those double teams. We haven't seen that so far this year. But what they have done and what they're able to do now that they have Marcus Davenport back is that they're effective for 60 minutes. They can play all the way through. And I think that that's one of those things where if you're not double teaming, if you're not helping guys, if you're not giving you know your tackles help, if you're not giving your guards help, that's going to chip them away through those four, you know, that full four quarters of the game. And when you have a defensive line like the Saints that rotates you know, 30 different packages all throughout in terms of moving players around, using different configurations of players, that ends up keeping them fresh for 60 minutes. And that could be a big, it sounds like it could be a big key to this game. Can Matt Nagy make that adjustment? Or is that something that the Saints are going to be able to take advantage of over on the defensive line? Yeah, and it's scary to think about, uh, actually. It, it's, you know, it, it, it comes off, and obviously we're not on the inside. You know, we don't get to sit in the room and, and find out right. what's really going on, what's really being said. But it comes off as stubborn and arrogant that Nagy mm. fails to see the shortcomings. That I mean, obviously, either he's a terrible evaluator of talent or he has an overinflated value of what talent he has either on the offensive line or just on his offense uh, in general. 
um, mm-hmm. because you know, like last night, uh, you know, during the game, and and I and I recorded my um, what basically it's a game balls uh, show that oh, I sure. do now, mm-hmm. um, and nobody got a game ball last night. They they. <laughs> There's bear up, bear ups, yeah, bear ups. That's the that's the thumbs up. That's the game ball. Bear downs is the you know you get coal in your stocking uh, for Christmas, and there was nothing but bear downs across the board. And I'm wondering how many times Matt Nagy has to see Cordero Patterson fail to get that yard on third and one or fourth and one before he'll stop running it. You know, it's like everybody knows what's coming. We've got 36 people in the box because they know we're not going to throw the ball. And God forbid we fake the handoff to Patterson and try to hit a wide open tight end because everyone's overcommitted to the run. No, 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 no. We're just going to run the ball. And Cordell Patterson, a wide receiver, is going to right. run in an in overloaded box and get us that extra yard. He hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. Uh, we've been running it for a full season, and we're almost halfway into this one now. He hasn't succeeded one time in running that play. And yet, third and one, fourth and one, who's back there? Not David Montgomery, the bowling ball with feet. No, the long, lanky, <laughs> wide receiver. We're, we're running the ball with him. And we're, like, pitching to the short side of the field. Right. It's like, my God, man, you might as well just put up a force field and you know, and try to make him run through that. It's It's so... Uh, you know, frustrating to sit there and watch him do the same thing over and over again. You know, it's like, what's the definition of insanity? Oh, right. yeah, it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I mean, it's like I know that that, that execution is a problem, but at the same time, it goes to the point that I was making before. He's not putting us in the best position to succeed and making them uh, demanding that we succeed anyway. And that's mm-hmm. what's frustrating and why everyone's like, you know, Laser, Filippo, they're qualified guys who can take another look at this thing and, 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 you know, call the plays. And because I don't have an issue with Nagy as the coach himself. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. obviously our guys are buying in. You know, those three come from behind victories. Uh, D- you know, Atlanta, Detroit, we were down 13 to nothing to Tampa Bay before we turned that one into a mm-hmm. football game. It's like these are holes we would have not have been able to dig ourselves out of before. But Nagy keeps these guys. We got a persistence, a perseverance. These guys are five and two for a reason, and yet, you know, the the he's. I think it's just taking too much of his focus away, trying to run the offense, especially while it's struggling, mm-hmm. instead of coaching the coaches and coaching the team. Where I think he would succeed. You know, I yeah. really do think he could succeed at that. But he just he won't give up the play calling mantle. It's like he won't even discuss it. And the yeah. Bears are suffering for it, and we will continue to. Uh, as the season goes along, it'll get worse because we got you guys this week, and then we got uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans Tennessee, next right? week. Yeah. It's it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a tough stretch for the 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 Bears. It's a tough stretch for the Saints too. I mean, going through they have a couple of uh, division games, and they have the the 49ers come to town, and so it, this is really that. This is what we talked about at the very beginning of the uh, you know at the very beginning of us you know sharing the mics here is that we. This sort of sets up a, a moment to where both of these teams have an, a, an ability to identify themselves and really have an ability to set a tone for themselves in terms of what their expectation for themselves should be for the remainder of the season is over this course of the next few games. And it really starts 
with this game between the Saints and the Bears. I have to say your frustration with Cordero Patterson, I feel it 100% because it sounds like my frustration with Taysom Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The way that the Saints will march him out on a third down when Drew Brees is like on fire. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, here we go again. Um, So I I completely hear you. And I, I do think that that's something that does create challenges, right, in terms of, you know, even just getting down to the nitty gritty of, what personnel do you use in certain situations? If you don't feel like those decisions are being made properly, then where does that lead the rest of the conversation from there? Like that's not a great place to even just start off at high. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as I look at the the Bears, they don't have and and correct me if I'm misunderstanding this, but it looks like they haven't had a 100 yard rusher so far this season. Is that nope, right? Not even close. Yeah. I think it's I think the highest one I see is David Montgomery, 82 yards in the second week against New York, which is you know that's a team you you can run against, so that's good. Um, but, you know, the Saints, the the thing that they'll always hang their laurels on is being a good uh, run-stopping defense. They haven't allowed a, a, an individual 100-yard rusher in 50, I'm sorry, 49 games in a row. Since 2017, they had one Samaji P. Ryan. Uh, with Washington when they hosted them back in the back in back in 2017, which feels like ages ago now. Yeah. Um, but the Saints, 49 games without allowing a 100-yard uh, rusher. And that's one of the things that they like to do. They want to make teams, they want to force teams to be one-dimensional. And they do that in two ways. They they genuinely have a good run defense. They allowed only a 2.6 yard per carry average to Mike Davis and the Carolina Panthers uh, this week. They've had some others where they've crept very close to three yards per carry. That's that's the goal for the defensive line usually that they like to be. But they also create conflict by how well their offense can succeed at times as well because they put teams in situations where they feel like they have to throw the ball to either maintain a lead or recapture a lead. You saw that with the uh, Detroit Lions game a couple weeks ago Saints went down 14 to 0 they kept with their run game and were able to sort of chew away at the clock and then really got into rhythm with a two-minute drive two-minute drill at the end of the first half and from that they were able to really get to a position to where they forced the Lions hands where they had to throw the ball did the same thing against the Chargers despite going down 17 points to them did the same thing against the Carolina Panthers by maintaining a lead against them and so the Saints will look to uh, essentially do the exact same thing against Chicago here but the biggest thing is going to be can they throw the ball against this Chicago defense they'll certainly look to run the ball for sure I mean I think yeah. that you know, they were all at home watching this game last night. Like yeah. they they saw the same thing that we saw. And I think that guys like Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray and Latavius Murray had great success on the ground against them against Chicago last year. He was yep. he was the reason the Saints were able to win without, uh, you know, massive weapons on their team, including Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook. And then, of course, Drew Brees. So you'll certainly look for them to uh, want to establish the run game early. Hey, guys, taking a quick break from the show to thank our sponsors once again, starting with Bet Online. You know, baseball season, NHL, NBA, all in the books, but we still got plenty for you to get in on with uh, Bet Online. You got football, college, and pro. You got the UFC, tons to get after with. And, and uh, Bet Online is going the extra mile right now to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. 
Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair, hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, snags, and tugs on those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. I said all that in one breath. How about that? Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? It might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, delivering a maximum confidence experience uh, while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff, and it's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs in our holes looking nice. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Use the code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds, and let's get back to the show. <laughs> yeah, let me just say that that game last year was uh, an unmitigated disaster uh, for the Bears for several reasons. Number one, it continued the trend of Nagy losing – after a bye. Uh, uh-huh. um, he hasn't won after a bye week yet. Um, he actually kind of broke that streak last week against Carolina because even on mini buys, like we play Thursday, we got that 10-day break before the next game. He lost every game until this past oh, wow. week against the Carolina. So our Thursday night, we would lose on, play on Thursday night, win or lose, we would lose the next game. It happened in 2018. We won on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Ten days later, against the three and eight Giants, we lost mm. in overtime. Like it's that was in 2018 when we had the world's greatest defense. We somehow managed to right. give up like 130 yards rushing to Saquon, and we got beat on the road. Matt, figure that one out. But you know, Jeez. it just it, and it, it was. I don't know if you knew this, but apparently uh-huh. it was Walter Payton Day at Soldier Field, and we ran the ball seven times in that game. No, that is sacrilege. Oh, I, <laughs> like, oh, no wow. one has gotten over that one yet because Ugh. Nagy came out. We threw the ball seven seven times. We threw. We uh, ran the ball seven times. We threw it like fifty five mm-hmm. times. And of course, um, Trubisky had overinflated numbers because we put together a couple of touchdowns late. That game was nowhere near as close as like the thirty six, the twenty five final score uh, that that it ended up being. It really was like thirty six to. 18 or 12 11 whatever the hell it was before we got those two late touchdowns it's like yeah and we were going to set a record on onside kick recoveries in that game apparently uh as well (laughs) there at the the end did not fix that like moving forward through the season either by the way it's Um, it's but it was all too little too late you know and then Nagy tried to come out and then the press conference and defend the fact that we ran the ball seven times and five of which in the first half so that means we ran the ball twice yeah. in the second half when it was a one score game 
like deep into the third quarter, it was a one-score game. We're still we ran the ball twice the entire second half in a one-score game, and and wondering why the Saints could see us coming a mile away. You know, like they're, they're rushing two and dropping nine, and wondering right. why we can't find a window to throw the football into, uh, and things like that. It's like that's where I think the real um, doubt in Nagy's play calling or his stubbornness in into you know making adjustments or putting his guys in the best positions to see that's where the discussion began i think was there because the following week against uh i was gonna say san diego i still do it i do uh, it against all the, the time, chargers yeah mm-hmm. against the chargers we basically ran like a power eye offense against charge dave montgomery had a, like a 160 yard game uh, against the chargers and then we never did it again for the rest of the season <sighs> and wondered why our offensive line can't do this or why our running game struggles to get two right. yards of carry and and things like that so it's just it's maddening watching Nagy go through this because he famously and ignorantly came you know after that uh, charger game like i didn't come here to run the power eye it's like well that's a shame because your football team seems to be pretty good at it maybe you should right. go old school because that's putting them in the best position to succeed it's like to hell with your offense the Ditka's 85 offense is working just fine right now. Go ahead and, and run that and see how see how far that, that gets us. But now we're going to do the five-wide empty backfield, you know, and, and try to run this spread offense or do the RPOs with, uh, you know, a, a talent core that's not really capable of running it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's something that the Saints are going to try to replicate this this uh, in this game coming up. They're going to try to take advantage, of course, of the the Bears being on a short week as well, mm-hmm. and you know all the things that, that can mean for them. But of course, the Saints will have to travel for this game. Uh, this one taking place at Soldier Field again, and so you know I, I think that for me the biggest concern for the Saints defense, as good as they are against the run, they've been massively atrocious when it comes to defending the pass. Um, and you know, you look at them, they've only allowed 17 plays in the passing game of 20 or more yards, which is third fewest in terms of the total in the NFL. You've got 15, 16, and then 17, several teams tied at 16, several teams tied at 17, but then you expand the focus to 40 plus yard plays and the saints have allowed six, which is second most in the NFL behind only the Seattle Seahawks who have allowed seven. Well, Ross, let me put your, your mind at ease. Yeah, because, I think you're going to say what I was well, thinking. Well, because yeah. last night uh, a fluke throw to Allen Robinson was the first 40-yard right. play the Bears have had all season. So yep. I think you can you can you can sleep easy knowing that the 40-yard plays aren't going to be happening against this well, secondary. Or at least I don't m- think so anyway. Maybe, maybe, right? Because the thing about it is that just as somebody that knows the Saints as intimately as I do, right. I also know that that's exactly the type of stat that the Saints would then give up three more, two more in a game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always that thing about like, oh, yeah, no, this player has never done this thing or the other, and then the Saints play against them, and then it's a get-good defense opportunity for them. Right. Um, and so, you know, so I, I'm equally – I'm equal parts – hopeful and very nervous uh, yeah. about that well very that's bad. the that's the sign of a true fan because you love your team no matter what but then you're absolutely the world's biggest cynic when it comes like oh <laughs> the bears suck at big plays well guess what's gonna happen this sunday against the saints like when you were talking about oh our pass rush can't seem to do this it's like well you're going to sack Nick Foles 12 times on Sunday because you're going against the perfect offensive line to get your pass rush set right, man. Because, like I said, we keep putting our offensive line in one-on-one situations when they're not one-on-one type of guys right now. We don't send David Montgomery in there to get a chip or have 
uh, Cole Komet or Demetrius Harris or, you know, Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, stay back in, in, in coverage and do the max protection thing to right. give Foles. And, like, nah, to hell with that, man. If we can have five wide receivers in a route, we're going to send all five of them out there, and then our offensive line just has to block. That's just all there is to it, <laughs> you know. So to hell with the fact that Cam Jordan hasn't got it going yet or that Marcus Davenport still shaking the rust and coming back from an injury or that, you know, Sheldon Rankins hasn't quite figured it out yet. They'll get it done on Sunday. That's like I said, that's the sign of a true fan. I love my team no matter what, but I know exactly how we're going to lose on Sunday. And so I can be like, you know what? I told you. I told you, man. I told you. We suck at this. They sucked at that. And they had that day that just like, oh, they got it fixed. And then the rest of the season be like, see what we did against Chicago? I knew we could do it. And then they're perfect for the rest of the year with it. Yeah. So <laughs> perfect sign of a, of a diehard fan right there. That's absolutely what that is. It's like, oh, well, the Bears suck at deep plays. Well, they're going to rattle off five or six on Sunday because guess <laughs> yeah. what? We're Don't number one in the league in, you know? So I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, you know, and, and part of the reason why I get why I do have concern about it is because specifically one wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, Darnell Mooney, who I was so excited about. And of course, I got a more intimate look at him. Or, well, sure, or, he's from Tulane, right? Tulane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I knew a ton about him coming into the draft. So obviously I was very excited about him, just, you know, unfoundedly so. And then to see him you know, really actually be somebody that has created opportunity for himself, made good an opportunity for himself so far this Oof. season as a rookie. I'm looking forward to his expanded role with Chicago, but I don't, but he's exactly the type of receiver. You look at um, Jalen Guyton again, you know, for the um, Los Angeles uh, Chargers. And then you look at, uh, you know, some of these other guys, Henry Ruggs, that gave the Saints a little bit of trouble deep as well. He fits the mold, you know, for, for that young um, you know, smaller, shifty, speed guy that gives the Saints problems in the secondary that, you know, if if Matt Nagy can find one play call that turns Marcus Williams or or Malcolm Jenkins or P.J. Williams, whoever's playing deep safety this week, if he can create one play call or make, get one play call in which they become the conflict defender, then more than likely Darnell Mooney's open down the seam, down the middle, you know, on a post route, wherever it might be, that carries him over into the the deep zone there. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the pass rush has to be so important is because that symbiotic relationship isn't so symbiotic because the coverage isn't necessarily there. But if the pass rush can make up for it and sort of mask the deficiencies of the secondary, yeah. then that puts them in a much better situation. Well, that's the whole chicken and the egg thing on defense. You know, does the secondary make the pass rush better or does the pass rush make the secondary better and the answer is yes you know yes exactly like, you know if the answer is yes it's a it's a it's an a or b question the answer is c you know mm -hmm. and that's that's how that goes and you know the funny thing is you mentioned darn mooney is like i'm absolutely in love with the kid i think he's fantastic and he should have had a banner night last night uh, against the rams oh. two plays one just barely overthrown which you know we as bear fans are used to seeing that but when it's trubisky uh, he somehow manages to find a way to overthrow a guy like that by 10 yards instead of just, you know, like just barely overthrowing him like right. Foles did. Right. Obviously, that's how, you know, that's a sad, you know, kind of measuring stick. Like, oh, Trubisky would have overthrown him by 15 yards, but instead <laughs> Foles only overthrew him by a yard or two, you know, like an extra step. He makes a catch. But there was one last night would have been about a 95-yard touchdown oh, pass yeah. if not for the fact, like as we've talked about already, we had Aaron Donald in a one-on-one -on -one situation with uh, Rashad Coward, and Foles had to rush the throw because he was absolute. Because if he doesn't throw the ball and takes the sack, it's a safety. So he has to right. get rid of the ball. And 
Darnell Mooney left <laughs> Jalen Ramsey of all people just frozen at the line of scrimmage Completely. because he bit on the fake and he was so wide open it was ridiculous. But Nick Foles overthrew him by another time zone because he had to get rid uh, of the ball. And I, you know, it was like he tried to put enough air under it so that you know Mooney could get there, but he just he had to get rid of it so fast he put too much on it. And it's like I don't put that on Nick Foles. I put that on the offensive line. And now that I've you know. Heard the analysis from the experts, the guys in the know. I put mm-hmm. it on Nagy because he's the one that keeps putting our offensive line in these one-on-one situations that they can't right. win, and it cost us a huge play last night uh, with with Darnell Mooney uh, and everything. And it, it's those missed opportunities, and it's like, and I can also, you know, in in Nagy's defense. There are situations like that where he puts the Bears in the right position to succeed, and then we don't execute. But more times than not, he's not putting us in the in the in the right position and expecting us to succeed. And that's where the disconnect is, yeah. you know. And it, it's yeah. it's uh, it's increasingly uh, frustrating to watch. And we're wondering if it's like something that's going to have to come from above. Is Ryan Pace just going to have to come down and say, you know what? You can't call the plays anymore. Something needs to change here because the Bears have changed literally everything else. Everybody mm-hmm. that isn't like Mike Furry, our wide receiver coach, lost their job on the offensive staff. We got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback coach, a new passing game corner, new offensive line coach, new blocking scheme, a brand new quarterback in Nick Foles, and yet the offense struggles as poorly as it did when Trubisky was uh, under center. So yeah. it's like, so where's your common denominator? At that right, yeah, point, the right? common denominator across the board is Matt Nagy still the one calling the plays, and that's the one thing that hasn't changed yet. I mean, it's like maybe it won't get better, but honestly, can it get any worse than this? You know, can it? You know, <laughs> right. fresh eyes, fresh perspective, we might get something going. Uh, who knows? You know, we do have one yeah. of the top receivers in the league, and Allen Robinson. Maybe he can lead the charge here. Maybe we put our offensive line in, in a in a place to succeed where they're run they're blocking the ball or blocking for the run better, and Montgomery gets things going. Next thing you know, we got to play action, and we're off and rolling. But until mm-hmm. we see that change, Bear fans like myself are cynically going to expect the same thing over and over again with the offense. Maybe we'll win. Maybe we won't. And God help, maybe the defense can put some touchdowns on the board for us because the offense yeah. isn't going to do it. Yeah, I mean, you got you got the best person available to do that, Nettie Jackson, man. He's, yeah. he's incredible. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Allen Robinson, you, you brought him up and he's one that I'm really interested to see how the Saints are going to handle in this game because Marshall Lattimore has not had a good season so far. Um, he improved a bit in that he went from allowing a perfect 158.3 passer rating to allowing now a 155.8 passer rating when targeted. Okay. Uh, so there's a some marginal improvement there. Um, but what it comes down to, um, the, the conflict here is that you can put Janoris Jenkins there, the veteran guy who has had a fantastic season so far for the Saints, but then you end up putting Marshawn Lattimore against the prototype of receiver that he struggles against, which again is that smaller, shifty, kind of speed guy. He actually performs much better against the bigger, more physical wideouts like Allen Robinson. And so it's a big decision that you have to make. Do you do you put Marshawn Lattimore up against the type of receiver that he usually performs well against? Looking back to just two games ago, he struggled against Keenan Allen, though, who is also that that fit. And so it's it's an interesting sort of or actually, no, they were down. They were down both of their their corners for that game. Excuse me. Never mind. Uh, But, you know, he had a nice game against uh, Mike Evans to open up the season. And so that's the type of receiver that he's usually good against. But at the same time, 
he struggled a bit during the this season so far. And so I'll be really interested to see how it is that the Saints do uh, try to handle uh, Allen Robinson in in this game. And a lot of it is going to come down to, you know, I'm looking at Nick Foles and his time to pass or time to sack um, uh, stats here. And it's interesting because he's obviously somebody that wants to get the, the ball out quickly. I think we can I think we can safely assume that that is every quarterback's preference in the NFL now. Is These that days, wants yeah. To get, yeah, yeah, everybody wants to get the ball out in two and a half seconds. He's 72% completion percentage there, five touchdowns, two interceptions, only sacked once when uh, when that happens, when he's, you know, the play ends within two and a half seconds. But then when you look at him holding on to the ball for more than two and a half seconds, all of a sudden the sack number rises to seven, the completion percentage drops to 50%, the interceptions go up to four. And so you have to take Nick Foles deep into the that sort of that that snap count that uh snap clock essentially if you will mm-hmm. um you have to take him deep into that and the way that you're going to do that is with good coverage you're not going to be able to take him deep into that timer if you don't have coverage and you don't you know you aren't able to be physical off the line of scrimmage if you aren't able to carry receivers through or pass receivers from zone to zone if you're playing zone that's going to be one of the big things is can you can the secondary create opportunities for the pass rush to get home can the pass rush get home soon enough to to create something uncharacteristic out of Nick Foles by ending those plays early enough that he can't throw the ball as quickly as he wants to? But more, it seems like the more uh, maybe uh, successful route to go is that you you need the coverage to create conflict for Nick Foles, and then that's where he ends up looks like struggling so far this season. And there that is, you know, it's it's just uh, it's again kind of goes back to the the chicken and the egg thing for, for the defense, you know, it's can, can the defense or can the secondary uh, maintain that coverage so your guys can get home or can your guys get there so that the secondary doesn't have to try to struggle to, to maintain uh, uh, coverage uh, and everything. So it's going to be one of those things. One of those things has to give in order for the bears to succeed uh, in the passing game uh, on, on Sunday. And it just seems like Nagy's kind of got it backwards as well. Like we throw mm-hmm. the ball in order to run instead of running the ball in order to throw. Yeah, sure. And it, mm-hmm. it's it's I mean it's obvious because we have lopsided stats as far as passing versus running. And I know this is the era that we're in as far as football mm-hmm. uh, is concerned, but there's there's a limit to it as well. I mean the the Baltimore Ravens prove that each and every week when they run the ball sixty percent of the time and throw it, you know, other the other percentage, and and they're succeeding in putting. Lots of points on the board, not just mm-hmm. draining the clock and winning 17 to 13 games. They're putting 40 points a game on the board by running the football. I mean, it's it's not it's not rocket science. They they figured yeah. out a way to do it. And, you know, but everyone's still kind of stuck into this RPO spread uh, thing that's putting that's making things exciting. College football, I don't think necessarily has a place uh, in the pros, man, unless you can run mm-hmm. it perfectly, kind of like Kansas City can and things like that. You know, just run a good old fashioned regular like West Coast offense as opposed to this RPO uh, nonsense. but Yeah, and I think there's no coincidence, right, that Kansas City does that well while also having an extremely young roster. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and it's, you know, well, you want to also, you know, uh, you know Andy Reid, who you right. famously used to call his plays for all those years, uh, is now made a head coaching candidate out of Eric Bieniemy by letting him call mm-hmm. the plays after Matt Nagy left. You know, and they've done nothing but get better since Matt Nagy. And I'm not saying that Nagy was a problem. What I'm saying is 
when he handed over the play calling to Eric Bieniemy, they've had like three of their best years offensively. They've won a Super Bowl. So why can't Nagy look at that as an example? Like maybe if I hand the ball or hand the playbook over to Bill Lazor or John T. Filippo, both who have extensive experience as offensive coordinators, maybe some things will change and I can focus more on the big picture and being the head coach of the Chicago Bears instead of being the Chicago Bears play caller and then sometimes being the head coach on game day. Yeah. You know, it's it, you just wonder what it's what it's going to take. Maybe a call from Andy Reid would help. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how this game is going to uh, to crank out, because, you know, the funny thing is, you know, you and I kind of both lull each other into a sense of confidence. Like you came in with concerns about what the Bears might be able to do and 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 how they might be able to exploit the weakness, uh, you know, that you've seen week in and week out. Uh, for the, for New Orleans, and I think I've also done that for you. As to, it was like you know, kind of felt like oh, you know the, you know how will the Bears bounce? That's the other, and that's the real question coming into this game. How will they bounce back from the beating they took on Monday night? Um, yeah, because it, it like the Rams Sunday night football got pasted by the Forty ers on national TV. They come you know home from that road game kind of have a, a revenge game against the Bears on Sunday to kind of get it, to, or excuse me, on Monday night to get it together. Will the Bears be able to do the same thing? Embarrassed on Monday night, national TV, you know, it's the, the late afternoon game on Sunday, so it's probably the America's game of the week the, that they'll be mm-hmm. playing against the Saints with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. That means most of the country's watching this. Yeah. Will we be able to bounce back and get a nice home win against a decent football team? silence the whole pretender tag thing that we definitely inherited last night after last night's performance can we bounce back and you know leave a mark on the nfc and the other thing here's why i'm cynically saying the bears are going to lose this game because if we beat the saints we sweep the afc the nfc south Ah, right. You know, it feels like a law of averages. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, (laughs) you know, and it's, of course, we leave the the, the toughest team for last as far as, you know, the team that we've had the most trouble with over the last few years. Like, we've had our bouts, you know, beating Atlanta, we've beaten Carolina, we've gone back and forth with Tampa Bay, but we've lost five straight to the Saints. So, of course, we got to save them for last to see if we can be crowned the 2020 NFC South champs, you know. We got to wait. And then after a performance like that, we got the Saints coming into town. So we'll have to see how this one uh, this one shakes out. But, you know, like I said, I feel better after now that we're, you know, wrapping up the conversation about what we could do uh, in order to have some places to succeed uh, against the Saints. And, and I think that I've that I've calmed you down a bit coming into this game uh, as well. So now it's all about the intangibles. You know, right. will the Bears be re- be able to respond you know, from, uh, you know, for what they happen, will they answer for what happened to them uh, on Monday night or will they sink further into the abyss because the, the, the Saints were more ready to play on Sunday than we were? Yeah, and I think one of the big things to that obviously I think is going to make a big difference as well is the health of Michael Thomas, right? He had the, the grade one hamstring strain. I expect that he'll be out um, for this week eight game against the Bears. Usually a grade one, you end up missing two games. Uh, but, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, he came back after one week with a hamstring injury that was similar. Um, and so, uh, you know, that'll be something to watch. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, tough for me to see him playing as well. He ended up going on the 10-day COVID IR on Thursday. So for him to come back, he would literally come back with no practice. So at that point, what's really the value of having him on the field? If you right. can't get him inserted into the game plan, you might just end up putting him in terms of injury-wise. You might end up putting him at risk in that way. 
And so I could see the Saints going into this game again with neither of their top wide receiver options. Uh, I'm so impressed. I know he's had ups and downs, but I'm so impressed by the young corner in Chicago, Jalen Johnson. Johnson. He's somebody that I, yeah, yeah, he's somebody I followed closely at Utah um, and was so excited about him. So excited about him ending up with a, with a good defense as well, with a nice, you know, uh, some, some support on the back end with those safeties that showed that, you know, that was something that really benefited him at, uh, at Utah as well. So, Big fan of his, and I think that he might have, you know, either the biggest test of his life going up against potentially Michael Thomas, depending upon how the Saints scheme him up, or uh, maybe a little bit of a, a more relaxing day. But the young undrafted free agent wide receiver that's really stepped up in his absence, in Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders' absence, for instance, last week was Marquez Calloway. Uh, they found a really good good wide receiver in him uh, as an undrafted free agent. They've done this before, right? Lance Moore, they've done it before with Willie Sneed, and maybe they've done it again. It's a little early to tell but he'll be somebody to watch he does a really really good job finding space in zone coverage in particular i know that the the uh bears tend to lean a little bit more towards man coverage but they also run a good portion of a good amount of cover three here and there as well i think it's 18 percent so far this season and so for the saints that's going to be you know being able to take advantage of those zone looks if they can force the 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 bears into those moments uh that's going to be a big place to see if he's able to show up along with traquan smith and some of these other receiving options we're seeing a big time decline so far in the usage of Taysom hill and the style of usage of Taysom hill as well they're using him a lot more at quarterback than they did in the previous seasons and he's being used a lot less in the receiving game in terms of being targeted than we have seen in the previous seasons as well so it'd be interesting to see sort of what the Saints cook up here depending upon who's available to them in this game uh, against the Chicago Bears but I certainly think that some of those names are going to be a big part of you know what the Saints are able to do or not do in Chicago. It'll be interesting uh, that's for sure I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to the game on Sunday, um, I I saw somebody uh, tweet after the Monday night game that uh, maybe now after that performance, the the NFL will put the the Bears and the Saints back to the early game instead of making them the, the game of the week. It's like who wants to see this team play on national TV? Let's let's put somebody in that spot that deserves it, uh, kind of thing. So we'll see we'll see what happens, or if the NFL will do that on short notice, or if they actually do wait till that three twenty five uh, kickoff. But um, Ross, as always, man, it's it's been a blast uh, talking to you. Where can we uh, where can we keep up with you on social media, your shows, and everything like that? Yeah, man, always a blast. Glad to be here. Appreciate you having me back on. I look forward to uh, doing it again uh, as soon as we can, man. It's Absolutely. it's fun to be able to come in and not just talk about the two teams, but to just talk about be able to talk about football, right? For and sure, have a nice yeah. football conversation. So I appreciate your style. I appreciate the way that you do it, man. And uh, I thank you very much for having me come through. Uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter if you're interested. Ross Jackson, Nola, N O L A. Uh, I'm really annoying about where I'm from, so that's why it's my Twitter handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can catch all the writing and everything as well over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and you can catch the show every day, Locked On Saints, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast platform or your, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Uh, you can catch it. Just search Locked On Saints, and I'm there every single Monday through Friday. Don't you do Locked On NFL as well? Oh, yeah. We also have Locked on NFL. We have a, a really fun lineup to where we have one host on Mondays that does the interviews, and then we have a pair of hosts for Tuesday through Friday. And so myself and Luke Braun, who hosts Locked on Vikings, so you know maybe that might deter some of your listeners, but that's okay. Uh, but you know we cover, cover the NFL uh, as a whole. We did ask some questions about the Chicago Bears today, but I'm generally positive around them so far. I haven't seen enough to sell them down the river. So uh, you can check us out over at Locked on NFL as well. 
Well, we as Bear fans are prepared to sell our team down the river. <laughs> it's just been so damn frustrating, despite the fact they keep winning uh, more times than not. But uh, it is like after Monday night's performance, like, bah, take them. You know, if you want them, take them. I, just, I can't go through this anymore. But, Ross, thanks so much uh, for coming back on, man. We look forward to having you on again real soon. Absolutely, my brother. Take care. Stay safe. Again, want to thank Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints for being our guest on the show uh, this week. And uh, like I said, look forward to any opportunity, any excuse I can think of to have Ross on the show in the future. Like I'm, I'm, I'm low key trying to uh, like stalk his Twitter feed uh, to see like what kind of movies or TV shows he likes to say. Maybe I can have him on the the show for like an off the subject uh, episode uh, during the off season or something. Just gonna manufacture reasons to have Ross. Uh, back on the show that's how much i enjoy uh talking to him so um like i said great conversation uh we we got a lot in there uh unlike uh last week uh, brad Motter just talking about things in, in general and the state of the nfl uh and everything nothing like nothing not, not that there's anything wrong with that it's just that we didn't really talk a lot of bears rams uh in that particular uh episode but uh you know we, we covered a lot uh ross and i uh did and and like i said Anyone who was feeling the way that I was feeling coming into the conversation, uh, you'd have to admit you feel a lot better about our opportunity against the the Saints. It's just a matter of the Bears going out there and executing. It's hopefully, uh, you know, the Bears did some real soul searching with the film review uh, this week, looking at the situations that they put us that we put ourselves in over and over asking our talent to do something that they weren't capable of doing like trying to do the one-on-one situations with uh with Aaron Donald not giving any kind of help with the running backs or tight ends chipping or or, or whatever just any kind of help to to make sure that our quarterback Nick Foles who admitted to the world that he knows when a play call comes in whether it's going to succeed or not before he's even announced the play in the huddle uh, also, you know, I guess Nagy was saying that he and Nick have kind of uh, sat down and kind of cleared the air uh, with that uh, as well to try to I guess trying to figure out how to uh, put ourselves in better positions because our quarterback who's out there and actually has to run the plays knows before they even snap the ball whether or not they're going to succeed. He's like, you know, he comes in with a play call. I automatically know the moment that I hear the, the play call that I'm not going to have enough time to make that work. And Monday was probably the best example of that theory or that, that, that statement of Nick's coming to real life over and over again uh, on Monday night. I mean, that, that play to Darnell Mooney, um, we're deep in our own end zone. And, it, and the thing was, like, I was like, I totally put that on Nagy not putting us in the best position to succeed on that one. That one is on Nagy 100%. Because it's obvious from the, you know, that it's obvious that the play was supposed to go to Darnell Mooney. Like, that's the first read is Mooney on the outside, one-on-one. You know, that's what we want. That's the matchup we want. He made Jalen Ramsey bite on the fake like a, you know, like a first, like a fresh off the field rookie 
uh, on that one. Wide open down the sideline, but because Nick Foles had to rush the throw the way that he did, he just tried to heave it out there and put a little too much on it in his haste to get rid of the football that he couldn't put uh, Mooney in the best position to catch the pass, and we miss out on a huge opportunity for one of the biggest plays of the season in the NFL. I mean, how many 90-plus yard plays have there been in the league so far uh, this year? You could probably count them on one hand uh, up to this point. He was wide open, and when nobody was going to catch him. He catches that ball, he's off to the races, and nobody's going to catch him. It's a huge play for us. I don't even remember what the score was at the time, but it definitely would have changed the complexion uh, of the football game. But instead, um, Nick had to rush the throw because we had guys in bad one-on-one situations uh, up front, and you know we weren't able to uh, make it happen uh, on that throw. So, I mean, it's just – that's kind of a perfect example of what Nick Foles was talking about. Like, I know when the play call comes in, I'm not going to have enough time to do what this play requires, and he's got to go out there and run it anyway because that's his job. Uh, that is a perfect example of what Nick Foles is talking about. So hopefully they are having those, um, those come-to-Jesus conversations in Hallis Hall this week to get ready uh, for the Saints. Um, hopefully the concerns that Ross Jackson had about their pass rush uh, remain concerns and Foles actually has some time uh, to sit back there and carve up this secondary that uh, Ross Jackson has such, such concerns about and we can get an offensive rhythm going and, and maybe in, in this backwards world that we're living in these days, the Bears can pass to set up the run and then the run can help us equalize uh, things you know, put drives together, put points on the board, keep the ball out of Drew Brees and Sean Payton's hands and give ourselves a great opportunity to rebound from Monday night's performance with this victory over a solid uh, football team in the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. So I'm not going to dig to dig into it any more than that. want to save the save the rest for the deep dive preview uh, for tomorrow. So come on back for that tomorrow and uh, hear my We'll basically hear an extension of this. Keys to the game uh, and news and notes and and, and everything else uh, in between. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview to get you ready for Bears Saints week number eight on Sunday afternoon. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.